Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, dear listener, and welcome back to my podcast, Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast. I'm Caroline Foran. If you're new here, you're very welcome. I created this podcast on the back of my number one best-selling book of the same name, uh, which was all about how I learned to manage anxiety. Um, that was... I think almost five years ago now so I have learned an awful lot since and all of those learnings since go into this podcast series along with lots of world-renowned expert input and lots of familiar voices who which I think is really important to share their experience of anxiety with me Um, I think it's really important to hear from experts who can help us better understand you know what we're dealing with why we're dealing with certain things to do with anxiety but it's equally if not more beneficial to normalize our experience of anxiety and hear from other people who we think are just like us or that we can relate to and say oh they're feeling it too it's not just me and how that's so powerful when you feel like you're less alone and sometimes I do solo episodes when I want to explore something that's more personal that doesn't maybe really require a guest uh, or to be completely frank when I don't have a guest lined up and I panic and I try to pull something out of my arse this week I had planned this one it's not a panicked one, um, but I wanted to talk about therapy. So last week I was joined by Dr. Claire Kavametu, who is a regular expert guest on the show. If you've been listening uh, before, you'll definitely be familiar with her. She's a clinical psychologist and she's just, she's brilliant at articulating what might at first seem quite overwhelming. Uh, we talked about, well, we've talked about so many different things uh, over different episodes, but our, our most recent episode, once the last one on the list before the one you're listening to now, is where we explore the different types of therapists that you might go to, what differentiates a psychologist from a psychiatrist, for example, or from a psychotherapist and so on, and other questions that you had about seeking professional help. I will have another episode coming soon. That's my third episode that goes deep into therapy. Um, and we will talk about what to expect from a therapy session. So when you're actually in the therapy room or whether it's on zoom or whether it's in person how to know when you're done how to know when you've like you've had enough or if it's working or you know is it something you're supposed to feel like you're getting better from well it all depends on the reason that you're there for 
and um, what to ask your therapist um how to know if your therapist is a good is a good fit what your expectations should be what they expect from you perhaps uh, but for this one i wanted to talk about why i myself decided to go back to therapy after all of these years um I have no problem at all sharing this stuff, as you know. I think when I shared on Instagram that I was going back to therapy, I got lots of messages saying, you know, that's really brave and like it takes a lot of courage and and I know that it does for most people. But for me, it actually requires bravery not to talk about things and to actually just trust myself and take my own opinion into account. I often default to turning outwards to the whole world, looking to get reassurance about things and I think that's really important to to talk about things, but sometimes I think I might actually undermine myself a little bit. So I wanted to turn some of my experiences back in on myself and make sure that I'm not always, I guess, turning it into content that I that I'm thinking about like how this will benefit other people and actually working through um stuff myself. The reason I said publicly that I was going back to therapy was obviously I think it's really important that we normalize therapy and asking for some help or guidance when we need it Um, and I also want people to know that you don't have to be in a state of complete despair or of be not functioning in order to want the help of a therapist and that's where I'm at this time. So when I went to therapy before which is I think eight years ago now I was in the depths of anxiety, the depths that brought me to this podcast in the first place and brought me to the book And I desperately needed help from someone who understood anxiety to help me navigate my way through it. I needed to learn how to step outside again, like step outside my front door. That's how bad it was. And just get through the day. Back then, even though it doesn't seem like that long ago, there was almost zero public discourse around anxiety. Nobody spoke about it. Nobody was going to talk about it on their social media. Nobody was, you know, putting it in their bio that they struggled with anxiety. Nobody wanted to say that they struggled with it. There was still so much stigma Um, And nobody really understood it unless they were suffering and had sought help. So it was very shrouded in mystery. And we thought of anxiety as something that you're very mentally ill if you're experiencing it, where we know now that we're all capable of feeling anxiety at points in our lives. And some of us feel it to greater extent than others. And sometimes it will become debilitating if we're not aware of it and we're not addressing it. So that, of course, you know, all of that, the lack of awareness back then and the lack of conversation about it made it so much more difficult because I felt like there was something majorly wrong with me and only me I felt like Jesus everyone else my age is just having a ball and I'm not the kind of help I needed was from that of a clinical psychologist who as I learned from Claire last week will work more so from an assessment and a treatment-based approach so you go in with a specific problem and you're saying I kind of want to go from A to B So rather than talking therapy where you have to talk through how you're feeling and sometimes talk, you know, around in circles, I needed help to get through things like I had to remember in the depths of it, I had to go away for a weekend for like a family. I think it was my mom's 60th and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. So I had to really help work through those moments in my life, uh, trying to ride the wave of a panic attack, trying to get um, a handle on catastrophic thinking. So we worked mostly with cognitive behavioral therapy and it was really practical. And I really, really, I immediately knew it was helpful because I had tried some talking therapy before that and that was helpful to a point, but like I knew what was going on. I knew why I was anxious. I knew that I was anxious. I I didn't need someone to say, do you know what's wrong with you? You have anxiety. I knew that. It wasn't as much as like what's going on with me, but like my question and my, my need for therapy was what am I going to do about it? So that question 
can sometimes, well, in my head from having had a conversation with Claire last week, might differentiate the type of therapy you need. What am I going to do about it versus what is going on with me? Uh, what do like what do I want to talk through or think through? So I needed very pragmatic help. I needed steps. I needed a plan of action. I needed to feel like I was in the driving seat and I was getting somewhere. I was doing something. Um. So yeah, cognitive cognitive behavioral therapy was the the modality that we we worked mostly with and. It was a very active process. We did lots of experiments and worksheets and thought recording and documenting of how I would feel going through various experiences, how my thoughts beforehand, my thoughts during, how that impacted my behaviours, how I felt after, how could could I build on that the next time. Like, as I said, I was really trying to get in the driving seat of my anxiety that was majorly inhibiting my daily life. And it really, really helped. It was probably the single most effective thing I did to get me out of that initial hole and understand it better. And I was with her weekly online because I was at the time I just didn't feel well enough to go and if it was an it was a trigger anxiety trigger for me to even have to get into town to go and meet someone in person so it was great at the time to be able to say look I'm actually I'm feeling comfortable at home I'm in my pajamas I know some people prefer to do it in person I think we've come on so much these days that there's and therapists have come on so much as well that they're really adept and brilliant at still creating the same environment when working uh, through a screen with you so I don't want people to think that it's any less effective by doing it online because for some people it really makes life a lot easier and maybe it gives you more time and more flexibility. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So yeah, I was with her weekly for a few months until I got to a point where I felt I really kind of had her in my head. And I remember that was what Claire said last week about when all of the learnings become kind of internalized for you and when you kind of know what the therapist would say to you as you encountered various things. Um, so when I when I knew exactly how to move through certain things and say, okay, I see what's going on here and I know that this would help and I know that that's linked to that and I know that I need to maybe just take my foot off the gas here, it, it became... I knew I'd kind of worked through it to the point that I could fly solo again and yes I could always go back um I could always pick it up again but I felt like I had probably gotten the most out of it um and I think it's 
some people want to be in therapy ongoing all of their life and that can be really beneficial um but for me I think personally I like to kind of come in and out of it as I feel the need um so all of my learning since then and that I learned from that initial experience in therapy you know probably got poured into my book and the podcast for anyone else who I felt would need to hear it who was just like me and I don't want to say that it fixed me that therapy fixed me because managing anxiety is just ongoing work but she really helped me build the foundations on which I could then own to the extent that I do today and I always think of managing anxiety or owning anxiety like a wheel and all of the different things that you do are like the spokes on the wheel and they all come together to form the wheel and then get you in motion and get you moving therapy was a really significant spoke on that wheel as was medication for me at the time when I was so bad as is awareness and understanding of what's going on there are so many different spokes on the wheel and what might make your wheel it might be different to mine um for some people it could be maybe taking away a dodgy I'm, I'm really diving into this analogy now and um, maybe there's a spanner in the work in your wheel maybe there's something stuck and maybe that's a, a relationship that's difficult that you need to take away so it all comes together in a very holistic way that's why there's no one fix all there's no you know quick fix tablet you could take or cure there's no one thing that's going to say do you know what my anxiety is completely gone now because you're a human being we're complex people there's so much going on that contributes to stress levels in the way we live our lives these days so for me therapy was a really significant um step in the right direction and i'd say probably the most significant one today i'm in therapy for very different reasons and to be honest this sounds bizarre to say, but I'm actually, I'm really grateful for the problems that have brought me to therapy today. They feel so ordinary. Um, and they're the kind of problems that I only wished back then I had. Like, I know they can be really all-consuming for someone when they're in it, but to feel that like, oh, okay, being hard on myself or social comparison is like something I could do with working on, that felt so out of reach when my anxiety was so bad that now, I don't know if I'm articulating this the right way, but I feel like we're never going to be problem free but some of the problems that we can encounter in our life are sort of part and parcel of of life and are proof of living and proof of experiencing life and I'm grateful that I'm living to the extent that I have these issues because I'm out in the world again I'm having interactions with people I'm working I'm coming up against challenges and difficulties and that's all proof of life and a helicopter is going overboard or going overhead now just as I'm recording always happens but sure look this is real life so I wanted to go back to therapy this time talking therapy with a psychotherapist as a gift to myself the same way I do my PT sessions in the gym each week I wanted to carve out a space for me that's just for me where I can simply talk through some stuff that comes up and maybe learn some new perspectives for this so many people just rely on their friends and I do too to a certain extent but no matter how close you are to someone or how non-judgmental they claim to be or you think they are or you think you are yourself there is always the fear of judgment. There's always that fear there. There's always a fear of making the conversation about you or seeming self-absorbed. Like I have that so often where I feel like, oh God, I'm dumping on my friend and they have their own issues and you know, you want to make sure you're balancing it. And just generally being concerned about what they'll think of you or if what you're saying will shape their image of you in their head. And that can just create more anxiety if you're anything like me. I just wanted one hour in the week where I could talk through whatever I felt I needed to talk about and completely let go of that fear of judgment. And all of those social concerns when unloading on a friend just go out the window when you're paying a professional. Also, if they're a good therapist, they won't just say what you want to hear, which I think friends so often do, even though they mean well. 
a therapist will hold a mirror up to you and support you, but they won't bullshit you. They will also, being a professional, if they're a good therapist, they'll know how to connect the dots and they will pick up on patterns in your thinking and behavior as you're speaking that maybe you weren't aware of or you hadn't thought of yourself. You will do a lot of the work yourself. I mean, I've had three therapy sessions now. I'd say she's gotten about 10 words in. Um, I didn't realize how much I would speak and how much would come tumbling out of me. Um, and sometimes people can think, well, what's the therapist really doing? But it's creating the conditions in which you can feel safe enough to be vulnerable and be your most truest, sometimes most ugliest self. And um, I don't mean that from a, a looks perspective. And it's a really safe space. And also like it's an ethical thing for them. They're like they have, you know, confidentiality unless she said to me, unless there's any kind of concern that I would be a threat to myself or anyone else, nothing I say would ever, ever go out of outside that door apart from the fact that I um me and I record podcasts and talk about these things anyway on such a public platform so why now how did I find her and what did I need to discuss to be specific well I had really wanted to go back to therapy after having had my little boy almost two years ago I think it's so diminished how monumental a life change it is for a woman to go through bringing a child into the world um and it might sound dramatic but I really think you change so much and there is life before being a parent and then there's life after and I think it's really good to be able to process all of that change as it's happening because you can feel even if you're having a really lovely experience you can feel you just it's like you've just been born yourself um and you're trying to figure things out so having someone with a very calm clear head who isn't in the same hormonal space as you are it's like a little a little comfort blanket of someone to kind of fall back on if you need to discuss something or say things like you know I'm not enjoying it god forbid people are so afraid to say that but yeah I wanted to go then and I just wasn't prioritizing myself but the time now felt right and I wasn't overwhelmed with work to the point that it would be stressful to take an hour out I had also just finished reading the book maybe you should talk to someone by Laurie Gottlieb which is just incredible I was so inspired to get booked in and I was really excited about it too um, so I had been recommended my therapist by a woman that I used to work with who saw me sharing some stories on Instagram about finding things difficult with Caleb and my son. And she had actually, she, well, it was actually a year previous that she'd recommended me. Um, and she had worked with her when she was, um, after she'd had her own kids and she found her to be really good. And, and also the therapist was a mother and she just, she told me she, she just really gets it. And she sounded good to me. So I said, well, I'm going to give it a go. People are forever asking me to recommend therapists. And it is so impossible to give a personal recommendation because the only therapist I've ever had before, she actually ended up stopping work to look after her elderly mother who was ill. So she just was no longer available. And also because it's such a personal thing. So what works for one person might not work for another person. And you probably wouldn't want two close friends, for example, sharing the same therapist. I think it's good to have a bit of space and a bit of a boundary there. And um, it's also hard for me to recommend the therapist I have now because I've only just started with her and she runs a very small clinic. She's really full up with clients and I would be afraid to overwhelm her with, you know, an influx of inquiries if I was to share it on such a public platform. It's almost like, it's it's quite difficult. I mean, it's almost like you need to speed date to find your match. Um, but that's why I think the likes of online therapy can be really helpful um, as somewhere to start. So the likes of BetterHelp can be a really great place to go. Um, so yeah, if I can give one, one recommendation, it would probably be to try there. Okay, the things I wanted to discuss in therapy. There were a few specific things that I thought it would be good to work through. Above all else, as I said, I wanted to process my postpartum experience and try to let go of some of that guilt and shame that I unfortunately still carry around 
with me for not having had the most positive experience and for not loving every minute of I'd say the first six months to a year of being a mommy. I have nothing but words of compassion and kindness for other mothers who find themselves feeling anxious in their postpartum phase um, since I've been through it and I know that it's normal and I know that it's it feels abnormal because it's not spoken about and I know that you know culturally it's supposed to be the happiest time of your life and that's what people say and that dichotomy between how you should feel and how you do feel can just make how you're feeling so much harder to deal with and make you feel like you're failing and I know all of that on paper I know logically that there's no reason for me to feel guilty I know logically that my son is the happiest little man and I've done a brilliant job but guilt is such a toxic emotion that can just once it sets in and it like grows roots and those roots just wrap around the core of your being it can be very hard to shake the feeling of having let down my son or let down other people for not like why would I even think like that that I'm letting down other people and how I felt postpartum as you can hear I mean there's a lot to work through there uh, I still feel very triggered by other people's experiences when they have really positive experiences and I, and I hate saying that because obviously you know I'm so happy for my friends and all their family members who have babies and one I don't want them to feel how I felt in the beginning but when I see people having a really blissful time or telling me that it's nothing but joy and cuddles and they feel great I immediately bounce that back on myself and say well what was wrong with you like why couldn't you be like that and it's just like a little dagger to the heart I also feel the same way about breastfeeding because I gave up breastfeeding and look wherever wherever you stand on how your baby gets fed it's a very contentious issue but there is a lot of talk about how important it is to breastfeed so when you don't or you stop um you don't do so without guilt and feeling that you've failed so there's that as well um yeah look it's so drilled into us that having a baby is supposed to be the happiest time of our lives and I spoke about this in, in really great detail in another episode um which you can go back and listen to if that's where you're at right now and that's what you want to relate to but I just I want to I just want to make sure that it's not like I say those roots are not getting too deep I want to process it I want to accept it and I want to let go and just just let go I mean sometimes letting go is the hardest thing we can do but the surest way to feel peace. I think we live in a world that's so obsessed with control and everything we read is about how to control this and that and control your finances, control your children, control your appetite, control your career progression. And all of this control in a world where there's so little that we can control um, creates anxiety, I believe. So letting go for me is probably the biggest challenge. There's also some family stuff I wanted to discuss. I think everyone has some family stuff there in the wardrobe somewhere. Um, even if you have the most functional, loving family that you could want, um, there's always some shit there, isn't there? I mean, it's just par for the course. Um, I would tell you about that over a drink if we were together one-on-one, -on -one, but I cannot go into detail on a public podcast for obvious reasons if it's involving family members who might listen. Yeah, just generally then some some core beliefs um, and thought patterns that I know are still there um, that I reckon stem from an experience of bullying as a when I was a child and a preteen. I hung out with these girls in my um, neighbourhood who 
uh, at the time, you know, I was never going to vocalize it to my parents because then they would give out to the parents of the other kids and then the kids would come back to me and call me a snitch or whatever and you'd have to pay for it in other ways. So I just took a lot. I took a pretty emotional um, beating at that time in my life and I know, knowing what I know now about the brain and how um, how easily those formative experiences can mould our brain and our, and our neural pathways and our thinking patterns, I know that a lot of my issues these days goes back to that one example which always comes up in in well in therapy um or if I'm talking to anyone about it is I remember getting a new coat um my dad had bought me a new coat and it was a white coat and uh uh the girls I was hanging around with were you know had this belief that pure mean girl stuff that you had to christen um something new so if you got new shoes or whatever they'd have to say so you got lovely white new runners or trainers they'd have to stand in muck and then step on your shoe to christen them. Um, and that was just the rule. And they said I had to do the same thing uh, for my new coat. And I remember one day it was raining. We used to hang out in each other's porches. And they made me go outside and roll around on the ground uh, with my new coat on. And that was just like, yeah, you just do that. That's just what you have to do for like acceptance into the group. And that's just kind of your price of admission and I don't even think I batted an eyelid about it but I probably just stored it all up to come out later on um, and then I went home obviously got in trouble don't think I explained why I'd gotten my coat so dirty and then you know my dad was like fuck's sake I just bought this for you all that kind of stuff so I know that those things that sound oh well, actually that does sound pretty bad to be fair but those formative experiences um, which a lot of us may have forgotten can really shape things these days so I wanted to talk about that, I guess, and um, look at some core beliefs around things that I think might stem from that, such as um, not being able to accept a compliment or say something nice about myself for fear of seeming conceited or arrogant because the the mantra of that group was very much like mean girls, oh, so you think you're really pretty. Like if someone said you look nice, you had to say, oh, no, I don't. I look like a horrible pig. You couldn't say, oh yeah, I do. Because that would be like, who does she think she is? Like she would eat herself, you know, if she was a bar of chocolate. And that was just the ultimate. You could never say anything nice about yourself. And I think that has a lot to do with why these days I just diminish everything, all my achievements down to nothing. Um, which is bullshit. Absolute bullshit. Not, not okay. Not healthy. Other issues. So social comparison is a big one for me. Um, I think social media just puts it on speed um i know i shouldn't be scrolling all day long but look we're up against these tech giants that design it in such a way that we can't help ourselves but to keep scrolling if we're ever idle for a minute or bored another thing was dealing with a tricky friendship and i think we've all experienced this at one point or another but i often fall into the trap of feeling if someone hurts me i i'm afraid to ever say it in case i hurt them by vocalizing that I've been hurt so I just take the hurt and then that can't be good and I find it very very hard to voice any like issues or I just will avoid confrontation at all costs um and I'd rather I'd rather always just take it myself than ever have to deal with something or resolve something when it comes to like an interpersonal thing I need to grow some balls in that department um 
so I'm hoping my therapist will help me grow some balls. Lots of other things come up. I often go in not feeling like I have anything really to say, but then they turn out to be the best sessions. Um, I also um, just almost finished reading uh, Untamed by Glennon Doyle, and that's just like another confirmation of why I want to be in therapy, to just talk through these very ordinary things that we all can feel from time to time. And I'm sure, I hope a lot of you listening will relate to this. I really do think every everybody would benefit from talking therapy if you're dealing with the kind of issues I'm mentioning here. They might not seem like major triggers for anxiety, but they keep it simmering away. And as we know from previous episodes, social comparison and people pleasing, they're all rooted in anxiety to some extent. As I said in earlier in this episode, if you're really struggling with anxiety to the point that, you know, you're you're living from one panic attack to the next, I think maybe from what Claire said, going the clinical psychologist route with more treatment-based approach may be more beneficial for you. That's the way it was for me. And I suppose I can only speak from my own experience. But if you haven't listened to my episode with Claire yet, do go back and listen to it. Um, Do send an email or pick up the phone and book in for a therapy session if you think you might benefit from it. The last person on earth who's going to make you feel like bad for booking therapy is a therapist. Nobody has to know. You don't have to vocalize it like I do. Be good to yourself. Create that space if you feel you need it. Give yourself that self-care and take care of your mind the same way you take care of your body. Um, And I really hope if you need a therapist that you find one and don't feel afraid to say, look, this isn't really vibing with me. This is not the right fit and move on to the next person. You will find someone that's right for you. It may not be something you have to do long term. It may not be something you have to do at all. Maybe listening to this, you're like, no, I'm good. And that's great. You know, whatever, wherever you're at, whatever works for you. Maybe listening to this podcast is enough and that would be, wow, that would be great. <laughs> um, but there's no shame in needing a little bit of extra help or some professional guidance at any time in your life and for any reason, no matter how trivial you might tell yourself it is. So that is it for me. I hope you found this helpful. Um, it has been nice to vocalise why I've gone back to therapy and I hope that I've normalised it to some extent for you and yeah thank you for listening i hope you'll stay around for many more episodes to come small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right because rustoleum's new custom spray five and one gives you control with five different spray patterns so you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access the full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.